Mark, you are filled with inspiration. You have this way of making me feel like anything is possible. Like at any moment, my wildest dream can come true. Inspiration exists all around, from the street artists to the subway performers. New York, you have this way of creating community through this inspiration of smart, creative, and ambitious people who dwell in your every nook and cranny. Today's guest inspires me as she shares how she has grown as an individual, but while building a career that prioritizes herself, her values, and her relationships. Hello, New Yorkers, New York City lovers, and big fans of Honest Human Connection. I'm your host, Anitza, and welcome to Known in New York, where we cut through the rind of the Big Apple and look at the true soul of the city, you. What you can expect here is soulful, honest conversation, infectious laughter, and the inspiring reminder that who you are is more than enough. from New York City. This is known in New York. <laughs> Today's guest is a New York City transplant from Austin, Texas, who has taken the city by storm as she focuses on creating the most thoughtful and inclusive space for others to exist in corporate America, in her friendships, and her relationship. Our friendship started as co-workers fumbling through the city and fumbling through our first corporate job. Today, you'll get to see how our friendship has flourished into this beautiful relationship. Please help me welcome Molly Meeker. Molly, what do you want to be known for? Oh, Nitsa, you always ask the hard hitters. I think the answer to that question shifts over time for me. Um, When I was young, I wanted to be known for being successful, for pulling myself up and accomplishing big things. The older I get, it's shifted into me wanting to just be the best person to other people that I can be, whether that's to friends or coworkers or just people around me. Someone I know who who often says, be the energy that you want to feel in a room Mm -hmm. and be the kind of person that when you walk in the room, the energy and the mood goes up, Mm -hmm. not, not goes down. And I think accomplishments come and go and friendships evolve. Some stay, some go. Relationships, same thing. What I want to be known for is to be the kind of person that the energy goes up and the mood goes up. And no matter what is going on, that I can bring that kind of positive energy into other people around me. I love that answer, one. And two, I think you accomplished that wonderfully oh my goodness. beautifully <laughs> oh absolutely I think you are if that is your goal you gotta you gotta have a bigger one <laughs> you are passing that one with flying colors oh, you definitely accomplished that but almost to play devil's advocate why can't it be both I would say that you are mm. more than successful mm. especially with where we started in our careers mm. So for everyone who doesn't know, Molly and I met in New York City because um, at our previous employer, we were teammates. We were virtual friends, teammates, (laughs) and then Molly moved to New York City, and we became very fast friends. Mm -hmm. So from those days, about two years ago, it's Mm -hmm. been? Three years. Well, three years since we, three years since we were in the city, but two years since we were on a team together. Mm -hmm. So, Which is crazy. Yeah, but think about how your career has skyrocketed in those two years, I think you can be the person who is successful Mm -hmm. and brings a mood up. Mm. I appreciate that. You know, I think the reason that that goal is still a goal for me is because I found that the more quote unquote corporate success that you find, the harder it is to maintain that. And the more pressure there is, to conform to a coldness and to almost a lack of personality that you bring to work because 
people don't, they, they still don't want emotion in the workplace. They still want you to get the job done, not show your emotion about it, not complain, and then leave. And the, the reality is that the world is changing. And I think that corporate America needs to change. And the only way that that shifts is by people building success and also still showing up as their most authentic selves um, in every level, whether that's your personality, your emotions, what attire you want to wear, who you love, what you love, like all of these things that make us a 360 version of ourselves. We have to fight to be able to bring that to, to work. And quote unquote, the higher I've climbed the corporate ladder, the more difficult that's become and the more pressure I feel to cave on that. So I so appreciate you telling me, oh, you've accomplished that. And that's great. And I, I think that I, I have it in some ways, but again, I want to keep that going. Right. Yeah. And if I don't keep that in sight, it's easy to lose yourself in that climb up. What a interesting thought, because I think that in our society today, especially what's plastered all over LinkedIn or social media mm. is bring your best self to work. You're <laughs> like, we want all of you all is welcome here. Mm. While that's the narrative mm -hmm. finding out later on, that's no one, the amount of people who actually live into that yep. are slim to none, especially the higher you get up. Yep. So something you mentioned a little while ago was that you needed to set a boundary. You needed to go let yourself feel <laughs> and you didn't have that opportunity, mm. but we've been friends for three years now, mm. three and a half years mm -hmm. now and allowing yourself to feel mm. was not something you would have mm -hmm. done. Mm. Maybe it wouldn't have been second nature. You would have gotten there eventually, mm -hmm. but it wouldn't have been your first thought mm -hmm. in years past mm. where I have seen you want to cry in the office and you get this look on your face and it is like you're going to war <laughs> and you just breathe. You take a lot of really, you close your eyes, you take a lot of deep breaths and you put your headphones in and you're like, okay, and you focus and your ability to compartmentalize at mm. that time was, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for was just Unhealthy, maybe, is the word you're looking for. It was absolutely unhealthy. It was absolutely unhealthy. But it was more of just, like, admirable in a way that, again, we had, we had a mutual boss where I would ask them about his children or about his – just, like, you know, every day, like, we're people who sit mm -hmm. next to each other every day for 40 hours a week, if not more. And I know nothing about your life. Mm -hmm. Let's bring a little human aspect yep. and watch him get so uncomfortable that he has to physically remove himself from the space mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to like, that was, that's the type of like environment we're working mm -hmm. in was like, there was no human aspect. Yeah. So at that time watching you mm -hmm. go to war with yourself <laughs> to not have this emotion yeah. was admirable because mm -hmm. I can't even imagine if, <laughs> I mean, I cried once and <laughs> I thought I was going to get fired. Yep. So the question I want to ask is on this journey of letting yourself feel mm. and almost creating boundaries in a sense, mm. how have we gotten there and how does that continue to like shape and form as you climb the corporate ladder? It's a very interesting question. Um, and not even just in like the corporate world, yeah. but like in your relationships with family, with mm -hmm. your significant other, with friendships. Because even in that time, if we want to take it away from a corporate lens, we've ran to do each other about friendship fights and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And even mm -hmm. in those scenarios, yeah. I watched you not allow yourself to feel mm -hmm. the depth of what was happening. Or you have such a sweet soul that you can usually empathize with where the person is at. Mm -hmm. And at doing so, you discount your own feelings. And I can see that in you because I do that all of the time myself. But again, as you are allowing yourself to feel and you're setting boundaries, how, what does that look like now? How do you, how empowered do you feel? Do you feel empowered? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, a lot has happened in the last uh, three years. Um, so it's your 20s or four? Yeah. I, oh my God. Amen to that. But that's serious, though. I really do think in your 20s, there's an opportunity to grow and shift in the way that you let yourself feel and mm -hmm. the way that you feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. Some people take that chance when they're in the 20s. Some people are not interested in that kind of growth, right? So growth is about being open to it. 
It's a journey. It's a process. Yeah, I think I was very, very closed off and compartmentalized my emotions for a very long time in my life. And I don't really know where that started, to be honest with you, but I know that it, I remember it for as long as I can remember myself. But there were a couple things that shifted. New York as a place has such a funny way of tearing you open. And I mean that in the best way possible and the worst way possible. <laughs> it sees through your bullshit. So if you wake up and you're in a bad mood or you are afraid of something happening that day or the energy that you are putting out in front of you is going to catch up to you one way or the other in this city. Something else bad is going to happen. Like someone's going to slam a door in your face. You're going to trip over something and fall on the subway and God forbid touch the subway platform with your hands. Like people are going to push you. Like something bad is going to happen when you let that energy and you try to control how you're feeling, right? Like New York brings it out of you. They will put you in a situation where you cry on the subway. When it rains, it pours. When it rains, it pours. And when it pours, it floods. Yes. And I think that New York as a place started to challenge my ability to compartmentalize because all of a sudden I found myself feeling raw in the middle of the day, walking to a park at work and not being able to control, but also not feeling like I needed to control myself as much because the beauty in, in New York is that people, I believe, for the most part, can be whoever they need to be or whoever they want to be or whoever they're meant to be, right? And the city has a funny way of of pulling that out of you if you're the right fit for the city. If you're not, it'll scare the shit out of you and you'll leave. Um, But I think New York started to shift me a little bit when when I moved here originally three years ago. And then living through a global pandemic fucked with all of us, right? Like it made us rethink how we looked at each other. And... I think at work, again, it was very transactional. And I was scared to ask people, what do you do for fun? You know, because everyone was so formal about things. And then suddenly you're talking to people in their living room and you realize that, oh, hey, they like Stevie Nicks too because there's a poster behind them. What concert did you go to? And it really did start to draw out that human element. And in that, I found that listening, and this is not a revolutionary thought, but at the time it felt a little bit like that to all of us, where when you start to realize that your coworker is a person and they care about all these other things, when you feel frustrated with them, you realize that it's so much bigger than the project you're working on or that they didn't come onto this call, but you know from knowing them that they have a kid they got to pick up from work, right? Or from school. There's so many other, again, aspects to somebody is a 360 view that you just don't know unless you ask. And so I think I stopped, I chose to stop being as afraid to ask during, during the pandemic when it started. And I, I didn't want to let go of that in the way that I went to work and the way I started talking to people. And then kind of simultaneously with this, the, um, uh, the partner that I have has been very, very influential on encouraging me to bring my fullest self to all conversations. And what would happen is when we first started dating, you know, we would get into a fight and I would start to compartmentalize. And I would give a very like calm, level-headed, logical response to anything he said. But it wasn't really how I felt. It was just like me trying to control the situation versus... You you essentially disassociated. Yes, that's exactly right. Because I didn't want to deal with the conflict and I didn't want to deal with my own emotions in that. And... He was like, what are you doing? Like, he could see right through it. He challenged me constantly on that of like, why are you shutting yourself down emotionally? Because when you do this, then it comes out as a freak out moment two months down the road because you weren't honest about what you needed or what you wanted or or how you felt at that moment. And no one had ever said said that to me before in my life. Again, I think because we are taught that compartmentalizing is the healthy, is the good thing to do, right? Now, maybe not healthy, but like the good thing to yeah. do to get your shit done. Yeah. It's really like, it's so unhealthy. Like now that I'm like working through that, I just, I look back at myself and I think, God, Molly, you suppressed so many emotions inside of your heart and inside of your body. And I think my body at the time was showing so many signs of stress. Like I, I get mouth ulcers. I get other like scratching things on my body. And I was getting that constantly because I wasn't releasing my emotions at any point. This was all through college. This was the beginning of my career. I just wasn't bringing my full self into any situation. I was controlling who I showed up as and what I allowed myself to feel, right? 
So I really think the last like year and a half has been the biggest transforming piece for me of I have a partner who wants me to to be my most emotional, my most honest, my most true self. And there's so much power in having people like that in your life. And having done that in my relationship with my with my partner, it also allows me to do that with my family. So I've seen a huge transformation in my relationship with my parents because I no longer compartmentalize them. So I've gone home over the last like year and my parents, for everybody listening, live on the other side of the country from me. <laughs> Sometimes we get into fights. We never used to fight. I never fought with my parents growing up because I would shove those emotions so far down into my toes and just try to keep the peace, right? The last couple of times I've been home, we've gone at it. And you know what? We're closer for it because they know where I stand and I know where they stand and we found a compromise in between there. And that has been so healthy for me. It's also allowed me to make friends easier because I am not going into these conversations with people trying to control the situation in terms of emotionally of like, okay, here's the story I'm going to tell someone. Here's what I want to talk to them about. And then I'm going to like move on with my life, right? Like I'm here to connect with people. I'm here to listen to them. I'm here to feel what they're feeling. Um, And if I don't like them, I don't like them. They don't like me and they don't like me. You know, there's no expectation here. It's just being our full selves. So... That's kind of been long, long story for you. I feel like that's been my kind of journey. Um, and I have genuinely never felt more like myself in my whole life, I think, of just not trying to be a different version of myself in every situation. Like who I am talking to you right now is who I am talking to my boss in the office. Like there's not this big code switching that's happening for me anymore. And that's really big. And that's really different than who I was three years ago. Um, and I'm happy about that. It's huge. Please pat yourself <laughs> on the back. Like, please pat yourself on the back right now. It's so, like, imagine what our world would be like mm. if we all could show up in that way. Yeah. If we all took a second to fight with our families because mm-hmm. it's, of course you're going to fight. Your family. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It does bring us and everyone closer together. I also have to give your significant other a huge shout out because <laughs> how powerful is it to have someone who wants to see you? Yeah. And not just the good bits, mm. but all of the bits in between. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've got to give him a huge shout out because I don't think that I've watched Molly be in love a couple times. There is a moment that is forever ingrained in my brain. And we were sitting in the office and something was off about you. So in my mm-hmm. very needs of fashion, I looked at you and I said, are you okay? And you said, no. And I said, well, do you want to talk about it? And you said, you know what? The only thing I want to share is, and we were talking about a breakup that you had just had. I was, and you said, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to love anyone as much as I loved this ex-human being. Mm. And I remember being there and you were, you were, you were, you trying not to cry. Mm. You were feeling so many emotions and I just was like, Molly, there's so much more love for you out there. Mm, yeah. But for you in that moment, mm-hmm. you could never, you, the, the idea of having someone loved you the way you deserved to be mm-hmm. loved yeah, or having that mutual respect in a relationship, I thought, I think was like so beyond mm. anything you could comprehend. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so to watch you full circle two years now mm-hmm. to have a partner who shows up for you, who yeah. listens to you to just give you the space to grow as mm-hmm. a human and doesn't expect perfection, yeah. but wants to get into the fight with you about it because mm-hmm. it's going to make both of you better off in the long run is so rare mm-hmm. and so beautiful. And to have watched that develop in y'all's relationship throughout these years, I'm giving you a huge shout out, sir. A huge <laughs> shout out. Know that. Um, and it's so wonderful. I say this all the time, but I'm T Molly. And um, it's so wonderful to see you showing up as you. Thank you. Yeah, that shout out is, yep, very well deserved. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I'm just on the topic of love, because I know that's one of your favorite topics. It's one of my um, favorite topics. I remember that conversation very vividly, too. And it's so funny because there's that statement of you receive the love you think you deserve. Mm-hmm. And at the time, the partner that I had then, it was a partner who I compartmentalized around all the time. 
And I was never 100% myself. I was never vulnerable. I was never certain versions of me, right, around him. And yet I thought that that was like our love, right? And so now being two years later, I realize what a different, like how different love feels, right? And can and should feel when somebody sees you and calls out the best in you and wants the best for you versus someone who's just like, yeah, like I like hanging out with you. You know, it's just the surface level versus the human depth connection is so different. So I guess for anyone listening to this podcast wondering, is there more love out there for me? Yes, there is. And even if it's not a partner, right, that you are in in love with, it's finding those friends who want to call out the best in you and want the best for you, who are on Team Anitza, Team Molly, Team Happiness, right? And who's, who can call out that growth too, because you can have friends who don't pay attention to your growth either, right? That you've known for years and years and you see them and you're like, oh, you don't like, do I seem like a different person? They're like, no, you're the same person. You're like, are you shitting me? I haven't seen you in five years. That's, that's wrong. Like <laughs> that hurts my, it hurts to hear that, you know? So you want, you want to surround yourself with people who want to see you grow like that. But I also think it's a very specific type of person who wants that. Yeah. It goes back to what you were saying about the tw- your 20s. Mm-hmm are such a great place where we're not, we're alone, mm-hmm. right? We don't have a family. We may or may not have a significant other. We can move anywhere in the world without having to worry about up other people's opinions or yeah, technically, right? Like yeah. all those decisions <laughs> come with unwanted other people's opinions. But yeah. truly, you don't have to worry about, mm-hmm. oh, I have six kids mm-hmm. and my elderly mother, I can't move to where I want to move because yep. there's all of these other expectations for me. Yeah. And so, again, I think something that reason our friendship is so one of my favorites and just so near and dear to my heart is that we are able to be honest with each other mm. in a way that we know is coming from a loving place. Mm. We're able to give each other grace mm. and we're able to applaud each other without fear of like competition. Like I feel like also for women in friendships and in the corporate world just (laughs) across the board it's never about like lifting the other one up Mm. with you it's about how do I tear her down so I'm 10 steps ahead Mm -hmm. which is another problem with I think just the corporate industry but when you can find a friend who truly is team Molly or team Anitza how like glorious is that Mm. and how so and how rare is that I just have to soak that in for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of your significant other, you recently moved in with him. How is that going? (laughs) Oh, it's good. You know, living with another person in any roommate situation is always an adjustment period, right? Of cleanliness and and finding Mm -hmm. the right system. But I can honestly say, and I've had a few roommates, roommates in my life, he's my favorite by far. I think that we have a great cleaning system together and, you know, obviously there's, there's times when I, I wish that I was alone for the night or whatnot as I, I'm a very like individual person and there are times when he wants a little bit more space in the apartment, but we find a way to work through that and knowing that he's at home waiting for me at the end of the day, there's, there's nothing like that feeling, honestly especially when my work days are really hard and I have a lot of, most of the work days are hard, frankly. <laughs> so yeah, it's just knowing that there's someone at home who's waiting to cheer you on and love you no matter what version of you comes in the door means so much. He also has a cat, which is now my cat, my stepchild. And um, learning to live with a cat has been different for me. I'm a very, I don't really like hair. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of hair in my apartment. And I freaking love that cat. And uh, I love coming home to her every day, too. Even when she sits on my face in the middle of the night and wakes me up and suffocates me. I still love that cat. (laughs) So. I think it's like how wonderful and beautiful to have that. I long for that. Mm. Right? Long to come home to someone. And, again, just to have that safe space that I think you found, which I also think Mm -hmm. is... Like this cat who has hair, who sits on your face and suffocates you. I think having 
like being very steady in your relationship mm. and confident and having that really rooted foreground also makes for things you may never have given yourself. So you probably would never mm. have purchased a cat yeah. as a pet. Oh, yeah, absolutely But not. the joy that that uh-huh. cat brings you is yeah. the ROI on it yep. is so much greater than you could have ever imagined mm-hmm. or anticipated. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably one of my favorite things about relationships is that mm. is how we remind ourselves of things we would have otherwise forgotten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is funny how when you come together, you give each other things that you never would have found necessarily on your own or chosen for yourself. And yet you find that they are what you need at that time of your life. I think it's just also about putting your ego aside. Mm, yeah. Right. Cause I think a lot of times people are so worried about being right. Mm. Oh, I said I was going to hate a cat. Of course I'm going to hate your cat. Like, oh my goodness. And being so stuck in one way of thinking or one mm. just persona or, opinion or thought yeah. that they're not able to see all of the goodness that mm-hmm. is available for you. And mm-hmm. so to have a partner where you can have that open communication and pull out the best in each other mm-hmm. is again, so rare and so beautiful. And I am just so happy for you. Mm, thank you. I'm very fortunate. We're very fortunate that we found each other. Mm, well, I just love love. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Molly, you mentioned your job and traveling and you have been to this year alone I think you've been to more places than your entire life combined beforehand that would be correct up to this point when we're talking I've been to six countries this year which is crazy because before this year I had only ever been to one other country (laughs) outside of um, the United States so yeah it's been a year of, of traveling so List off the countries you've been to and then tell mm-hmm. us your favorite. So I went to Spain, India, UK, Germany, Austria, and uh, Jamaica this year. Oh, I forgot about Jamaica. That was yep. so, oh wow. Yeah, wow. that was in January. Yep. Yep. I know that feels like a lifetime ago. It, it Truly a lifetime ago. In terms of favorite, you know, each has been a really interesting and unique experience I think with each visit but I'll be honest the the one that touched my heart the most was India and I think that's because I had I had no expectations walking in and I had friends who who grew up in India or you know been there for weddings or whatnot but it's not like the most popular tourist destination on Instagram or anything, right? So you don't really see a lot of photos of India necessarily. So I didn't go with this image of what I expected it to be like. And so what I found just completely touched my heart very quickly. Indian culture is just so based in hospitality and um, they welcomed us with such open arms. Our, Our whole team, they... And we showed up at the office. They had like a, a, a really long red carpet and they had gone to a flower market and they bought fresh flowers and they sprinkled it everywhere in the entire office. So the whole office smelled like fresh flowers. And um, I, should, I should specify I was in Bangalore, which is considered the garden city. And so it's known to have a lot of trees, a lot of flowers. I mean, again, I didn't know any of this going into India. And I'm so glad I didn't because I was so surprised by everything that I saw and experienced. And they welcomed us with a traditional um, ceremony. They um, put paint on our forehead. They gave us flower arrangements to wear. They threw an entire culture celebration. They went and bought us saris and they they dressed us in saris. They hired professional sari layer. Wrappers, excuse me, to to wrap the saris around, which is very complicated, by the way. And they put about 80 different clothespins inside, or not clothespins, but like just little pins inside to keep it all together. And then they had this culture celebration and everybody who danced and, and sang during it was from the team. So it was amazing because we got to see not only the culture on display, but our actual team. And again, as we were talking about the 360 of someone it was just people being able to bring their full selves and what they do for fun into a work environment. And we did this in like the middle of the day. This was three or four o'clock India time that we did this celebration. 
Then we had this beautiful banquet with like local food and it was all so delicious. And a lot of people in India don't eat meat. So a lot of the dishes were vegetarian, um, even vegan. And that's just very natural. And something that I thought was interesting was all the food I tried was so tasty. And it's not like here in America where oftentimes you get a vegetarian dish and it's like, here's some fried cauliflower, <laughs> like enjoy, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. I love that for some people who love that, but that's not the way I want to eat my food every time. But they, their food was just so thoughtfully cooked, I guess would be the way I would describe it. So it was incredible. And um, it just really touched my heart that our team would care so much to make sure that we had such a good time and also bring themselves a hundred percent to, to the workshop, to the work. And I also had amazing conversations with everybody in the office. Like I did not want to work the entire time we were there. (laughs) And usually when I follow my executive, I am like in every single meeting with her, but I was actually paying back from meetings so I could sit around and talk with people in the office because people just want to talk about life and they want to talk about their families and their culture. They're so proud of it. So it was just, it was incredible and so humbling. I didn't want to get on the plane. I almost set my executive on the plane and was like, whoops, I missed that plane. But we're supposed to go back toward the end of this year. And I'm basically counting down the days because I can't wait to go back. I love that when you describe this trip, it's not about... And this is just like a reflection of who you are, but it wasn't about the Instagram perfect views mm-hmm. or the how can I show everyone I'm in the coolest place on earth. I feel again on our society that is so run by TikTok, Instagram, social media. Yeah. I feel like the way it's perceived mm. is that people are traveling for the sake of just saying they went to a place. Yeah. And then everyone's going to the same places. So mm-hmm. it doesn't feel, almost feels overdone. Yeah. I completely hear you on that. And so as you've described India, your common phrase is, it just touched your heart. Mm. And I don't think people talk like that. When people go on mm-hmm. vacation and people travel places, they don't describe it as touching their heart. They describe it as like, oh, this was a cool place and mm-hmm. I've gone there. But the way you see the world and the way you experience things is all about it touching your heart. And I think about when you went to Jamaica and you were telling me about how much you loved Jamaica. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed hearing it so much because you didn't just talk about like, oh my goodness, I laid on a beach and it was beautiful and it was relaxing. (laughs) Yeah. But you talked about the village. You Mm -hmm. talked about the people. You talked about how you reflected on that time in comparison to your Mm -hmm. own life. Yeah. And getting to experience life through your eyes during these moments when you're telling these stories, I think is so magical. Oh, that's so sweet. I agree with what all what you're saying about places being, being overdone, but I also, you know, Jamaica, both Jamaica and India are obviously very different countries than say America or even the UK in terms of how their governments run capitalism versus not capital, all that, right. Is, is very different. They're considered third world countries, whatever that means in the modern sense. But The interesting thing is when you pull, when you take people out of a really capitalistic, materialistic environment like we have in America and even to some degree in in Europe, I think, from from my observations, nobody in Europe, please don't DM me on this, but when you go to countries where people are so happy with so much less than what we have, so for example, when I was in Jamaica, for the audience, that's where my partner's from. We stayed in his local family's house. And for most of his childhood and until recent years, they did not have running water in the house. And most of his neighbors still don't have running water. And yet some of the happiest, kindest, most generous people you'll ever meet live in Jamaica. And the same is true in India. And so I think what touches me with both of those countries so much because I would say Jamaica was my second favorite, very close second favorite place this year that I visited. And there's just something so human about seeing other humans be so satisfied just existing. And I think that that's what feels so different is when you talk to somebody in the U.S., the first thing they ask is, well, what do you do for work? What do you do? And I'm guilty of that. I do that all the time with people, right? Or where do you live? Or what do you do for fun? It's like we have to qualify what we do as humans to make us interesting. 
But when you go to places where that's not part of the culture, it's like you being human is interesting enough for me to engage with you. And I think that at the core is what touched me in both of those places so much and was very humbling as a reminder that at the end of the day, all of this can be gone in an instant, right? Our money, our houses, our books, like our our possessions, everything we own can be gone. But who you are at the end of the day is what matters most and how you make people feel. And I think that that's kind of an arching lesson for me right now in life that I'm that I'm soaking in. And it is easy to get caught up in the, the rat race, right? Especially in corporate America. But pulling out of that and, and visiting places, again, where, where people just see you as being a human, not as a chief of staff for a company or an accountant or whatever, et cetera, fill in the blank, sales, sales job, you know, whatever it is. It just feels raw in a way and just human like I keep coming back to that but that that's what it feels like it's just being human with other humans which is such a juxtaposition to where we live here in New York Mm -hmm. oh yes absolutely not just like the United States in general but New York New York City as Mm -hmm. literally built hustle culture yeah it built what do you do and what you do here Mm -hmm. determines your worth here. Yep. It determines on whether or not, oh, you live in Brooklyn or you live in the city. And that's, I'm not, again, I'm not Don't DM us. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, that's not at all what I'm getting at. But there are, depending on who you come across, there are the stereotypes of, oh, you live in the city or, Mm -hmm. oh, you live outside the city. Yep. These are stereotypes, everyone. Not Mm -hmm. my, not, not a reflection of my own opinions. Mm -hmm. But... It just goes back to truly here, your worth is in how much money do you make? What building are you living in? Do you have a doorman? Do you have a pool? (laughs) Like, oh, you're in a walk-up? And again, none of that really matters, especially in like to people like us. We Mm -hmm. don't give two shits about that. Yep. It's all about who you are Mm -hmm. at the core of you, which Mm -hmm. is what this entire podcast is about. Preach it. What a juxtaposition to constantly, or constantly is the wrong word, but to travel between this place that is so driven by Mm -hmm. almost everything we loathe about a place and yet to have a heart for it. Yeah. But I'm choosing New York City, going back to, okay, what's so great about the city? Mm -hmm. I choose the city to continue to stay in after I've got lots of reasons to live this, <laughs> leave this city. Because for some reason, I'm looking for that hustle. Mm. Is that a bad thing? Mm. Is it, I don't know, I feel like I'm in my 20s. I've got a lot to learn. I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of dreams mm-hmm. I want to accomplish. And for some reason, mm-hmm. accomplishing those dreams here, even when it rains, it pours, and it's, it's pouring a lot lately. <laughs> for some reason, the dreams are bigger than the fears that exist here or... Yeah. Does any of this resonate with you? Oh, God, yeah. I think of New York City for my own life as a type of springboard. That I see my life before New York City, and I see my life from New York City onward. And it was such a a groundwork for me becoming the professional that I was going to be, the friend I was going to be, the lover I was going to be family member, all a human, all of these things were shaped by the city. And I know if I had stayed in Texas, I would be a very different person, a very, very different person than I am right now, right? And so I think New York City is a place for change and growth if you let it. And I think if you resist that, that's when you have a hard time being in this city because it will challenge you. And it's kind of a bully sometimes. I've had some of the worst days of my life in this city and I've had some of the best days of my life in this city. And it's that balance between the two, those two extremes that you land somewhere in the middle and it's you realize that it, there's no place like it in the entire world. I think that, that was a great example of just like, what is New York? Mm. That's it. Yep. The best days are euphoric to a sense. They Mm -hmm. are just, it can't get any better than it is in this moment. Mm -hmm. Like, it's surreal. Yep. It's everything joy is to a human being in a moment. And Mm -hmm. oh my goodness. And when it's bad, 
damn, it's bad. <laughs> is it the worst it's ever been? Yeah. And it's not even like kind of okay. It's it's bad. Yep. And it's like, how do you learn to live with both? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Molly, would you like to play a game? I would love to play a game. Okay. Well, do you know what We're Not Really Strangers, the card game is? Um, I know it because I've been looking at it the whole time we've been recording this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, it is um, a card game that has a lot of different editions. Okay. This is the Friendship Edition. Great. There's three essential levels to the game. Oh, my. We're going to alternate asking each other questions, Mm. starting with level one, going to level three. Level one is all about perception. Mm -hmm. So it's about gaining perspective on how you see me and I see you. Okay. It also kind of tests how well we know each other. Uh Uh-huh. Level two is who are you really? It's all about connection. Mm. This is about going deeper, which could be hard for us, but I would love mm. to see what we mm-hmm. learn. What we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. <laughs> and the third one is all about reflection. So it's just time mm. to reflect on our friendship, the game, et cetera, et cetera. I love this. It's a good one. Wow. I'm a big fan of it. So do any of your friends no longer feel like friends? Yep. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about this before. There are levels of friendship, and people can move between these levels over time. Yep. And I think that's healthy because we change so much. And if you expect that someone is going to be in the same place as you for your whole life, it's unfair. It's unfair. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. I also think it's just unrealistic because, again, people change so much. So, yeah, I have some friends in the city who you know, I was closer to at one point and not as much anymore. And I'm okay with that. And it's not that we aren't, if I called them, I could, you know, we could hang out, but they're not the first person I call when I'm in this, right in the city. So I think that's where the breakdown is, is who do you call first when you're in like a city or you're visiting a town, you know? So yes, I think absolutely. But I think everybody's answer should be yes at that at that question at one point or another in your life because people come in and they and they go out and you can't hold on to people and force them to fit into certain circles that you want them to stay in forever. I can't remember. I wish I could quote the person who said this and unfortunately I can't at this moment in time, but it was this idea that all friendships, there's like you have like level one, level two, level three mm-hmm. friends or A, B, and C friends. And you get to categorize them. Mm-hmm. And your level A friends are run or die. Level B friends are like, you love them dearly, but you don't necessarily talk to them as much. And you've got your level C friends who are acquaintances, who you love to see when you see them, but you're not keeping up with them on a consistent basis. Yeah. And I think where a lot of like friendship fights and like things happen is because, you, like you were saying, you expect some, you're a level one friend to be a level one friend for the rest of your life. Yep. And... It's very easy to forget that we're all dealing with our own stuff. So just because you can be a level one friend for a a year doesn't mean you will the next six months. And doesn't mean you can't go back and forth between the levels. I think that's Mm. the most beautiful thing about it is that like you could rearrange that. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, a level one friend now could be a level two friend for a little while. Mm -hmm. And it's not about letting the other person know you got demoted in my friend list. That's not what it's about. It's just about like what expectations do you have of Mm -hmm. that human Mm -hmm. being? Yep. So that you set that relationship up for success. Mm -hmm. And it's okay for expectations to change. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. Mm, Good question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What could you benefit from letting go of? And why are you still holding on? Shots fired. Wow. I am... I don't know if I want to answer this question. It's probably why I should answer this question. <laughs> I just don't know if I want it on public record. <laughs> it fits right into the conversation we were having earlier. I'm holding on to past versions of myself. I'm holding on to the idea of those versions and the idea of who I was during those versions as if they were better than that version that is sitting in front of you now. And... I'm holding on to it because a new version of me feels scary. Letting go of things or traits that I feel are part of me is scary. But the problem is, or the issue is, is that 
they're not really a part of me. They're a part of my story, but they don't define me. And making that very clear distinction is hard for me. So being in therapy, talking about a lot of things means I have to let go of those things, that it's finally time to let go of them. And it's time to evolve into a new version of me. But then the question, then I ask myself the question, well, who am I without those things? Who am I if I'm not Anitza as the curly haired girl? Who am I if I'm not Anitza with X trauma? Who am I if I'm not Anitza as a twin? Like, not that I'm letting go of my sister mm-hmm. or of any, not like that, but there are ways I've identified mm-hmm. or ways I have shown up in a world being like, or like, a great example is one of my mentors at work asked me, Anitza, you enter every room saying, Anitza, it sounds like pizza. Is that really what you want your personal brand to be? <laughs> and I was like, whoa, I've said it my entire life because no one can say my name. No one knows how to say it. And so it's easier for me to break the tension of saying, hey, my, my name's Anitza. It rhymes with pizza. And when he asked me this question, I was like, oh, I don't see it as a bad thing. But no, I work in a I work in a corporate environment. I'm talking to CEOs. I'm like I I show up in a very professional way. The first thing that comes out of my mouth is, "Hi, my name is Anitza. It rhymes with pizza." Are you kidding? <laughs> like, hello. It's not my job to make someone comfortable about how do they say my name. Mm-hmm. That's not my job. That's not it. That's not my responsibility. That's not something for me to pick up. So something as small as that, right? Like, what is how do I identify myself and is the baggage I'm carrying or the labels I'm carrying it, is it a reflection of who I believe I am? And if the answer is no, it's time to let it go. And it doesn't matter who the fear that I have on who I am because I have always been and will always be me. Mm. And so I don't know if I took that, I took that in a weird direction, but yeah, I think if it's time for me to let go of something, it's, it's the old me. Mm. Wow. That was awesome. All all I'm going to say is I don't think any one version of Anitza is better than the other. I think they're all just as worthy of being loved and having empathy for and I love the version of you that you are now. And I also love the version of you that I met three years ago and all the other versions I never got to meet. And they're all equally worthy of love. I'm going to cry. You're going to cry. I'm going to cry. And then we're all going to cry. <laughs> ah! um, okay, last round. <laughs> Hello? So we're going we're gonna to do two cards. Okay. One. Both players need to finish the sentence. I'm so proud of you for. Ooh, okay. So think about it for a second. I'm going to think about it for a second. Okay, I've got mine. Okay, go for it. I am so proud of you. Now I'm really going to (laughs) cry. For always persevering. Whether that's through a shitty job, a rough friendship patch, a relationship challenge, family challenge you are one of the most resilient people I've ever met in my life and every time I see you get the wind knocked out of you you get back up and most people stumble for a long time and you get right back up every single time and I don't know how you do it and you amaze me and I am just so proud of you for always moving forward and trying to be better and trying to be the best version of you for you. And you inspire me for all of that. I'm not crying. Wow, thank you. Thank you. I am so proud of you for the way you are able to show up as true as you in every situation. And whether, and from us being on WebEx and you compartmentalizing to now, you've always, always been Molly Meeker. The way that you show up and have this amazing moral compass that you trust guides you no matter what and 
you can trust and believe that is so admirable and amazing to me. Because when, especially living in this city, who knows what is up and down or left and right, having that is such, so steady. And it bleeds into our relationship and to our friendship and knowing that I can always turn to you for a steady hand, a steady listening ear is so, I feel so lucky. And so, yeah, thank you for always being you in every room you walk into. Well, now I'm the one that's going to cry. <laughs> Everybody get a tissue. Everyone get a tissue. I don't even think we have to do another one. I know. That was really good. <laughs> I, think that was, I think that was a good one. Well, Mal, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the show. Thanks for and having me. The last part, and I feel like we just kind of did it, but the last part of it is that I get to give you a little snippet of a love letter mm-hmm. of just what you mean in my life. So, sweet, sweet Molly, how your friendship is like medicine for my soul. You are one of the kindest, sweetest, most thoughtful humans I have ever had the pleasure of knowing. You bring so much light to my life that being around you is like pure sunshine. Thank you for questioning life with me, for listening with open ears, and creating a safe space to exist. The ways in which you see the world are like breaths of fresh air, and I'm honored that you share them with me. Watching you grow personally and professionally is something truly spectacular, and I feel blessed for your friendship. Thank you for being you, Molly. I love you. Love you too, Nate. Thank you for listening to Known in New York. Follow us on Instagram at known underscore in New York. I'm your host, Anita Martins, and I'll catch you next time in New York or somewhere else.